Hello, everybody. This is Common Sense Christianity here. I hope everybody's doing fantastic. Boy, it is raining cats and dogs in Anchorage, Alaska right now. And I hope everybody's doing well. We're going to focus on John 20, 28 tonight. And the reason why we're going to focus on John 20, 28 is because Trinitarians use this verse to try and push the Jesus is God narrative. You know, they believe for some odd reason that in the statement of a single individual, Thomas, when Thomas was doubting initially, you know, I will not believe unless I put my fingers in his side and feel his puncture wounds, basically, that all of a sudden, since Thomas finally saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead and saw his puncture wounds, that Thomas all of a sudden came to the conclusion that Jesus was Yohebave, God Almighty in the flesh. But fortunately, on this channel, we use common sense, right? We don't go off to the deep end and struggle without a life jacket on. We hang on to the life jacket of common sense. And we leverage scripture. We combine them both to come up with the truth. We don't just see a isolated verse like that and hang on to it like an out-of-control surfboard bobbing up and down in the ocean, right? Where's the lifeguard? You know, he's MIA. So what did Thomas really believe? Well, again, we leverage common sense here and we look at the totality of the Bible. God himself said you can't see his face and live. So it would make absolutely no sense and it would be a contradiction on that alone if we could see the face of Jesus and Jesus was God Almighty. In Exodus 33:20, God said, "But he said, you cannot see my face, for no for no man can see me and live." Okay? 1 Timothy 6:16 6, says, he alone is immortal. That means you can't die. No matter what death is, you can't do it. He alone is immortal. No man can see God or can ever see God. And he dwells in unapproachable light. Right? 1 John 4.12 No one has seen God at any time. Okay? So those three verses, there's more, but those two give you a good example. Three actually give you a good example of we can't see God's face and live. God dwells in unapproachable light. And no man has ever seen God. So it would make absolutely no sense. And it would defy common sense. To have the Bible say that no man can see the face of God and live. And no man has ever seen God. And yet Jesus is Yohebave. The second person of a triune. God. And they saw him for 33 years. That doesn't make any sense. So what did Thomas really think? You know, they kept asking over and over again to show us the Father. You know, Jesus taught his disciples this about seeing God. In John 12, 44 through 45, he said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. Okay, a lot of this is figurative language. They, they would see Jesus physically, but they would see the Father 
figuratively because Jesus constantly said, the spirit of the Father in me does his works. Right? So Jesus was, according to Colossians 1.15, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You know, he's the image of God who can't be seen. Right? It's it's a reflection. It's not it's not physically God. It's you know, an image is not the original. It's a copy. If I hold up a picture and say, This is my dog, you know, it's not really my dog, it's a picture of my dog, right? It just means it's like a statue, it's like a, a picture, you know, it's Greek word icon. So, you know, when we see something, we see a reflection of something else, right? When they saw Jesus, they saw a reflection of who God was, his attributes, you know, his divine expression, his love, his patience. This was a reflection of who God was because God was dwelling in Christ. You know, God was dwelling in Christ. So if we look at the night Jesus was arrest, arrested, we look at a little bit into Thomas's confession. So John 14, 3 through 6 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know that way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay? So, you know, it's very important here that the Father is kind of the object of the whole reasoning, right? And Jesus is the way to the Father. So Thomas is noticed in this piece of scripture here as being part of the discussion. You know, you've got the Father, you've got Jesus, and then you've got Thomas right here, right? And you know the way we are going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Right? So, right before Jesus was arrested and ultimately crucified, he said to the disciples, John 14, 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Right? So, if you see me, you see the Father. This is what they were always talking about, you know. They kept asking, show us the Father. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, Philip, that you do not know me? If you see me, you see the Father, right? Again, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. You know, there's a lot of various meanings what to know is. It means to recognize, to perceive, to discern. You know, Jesus uses metaphorical language a lot. It doesn't mean that they were actually looking eye to eye with the Father because we already know that God can't be seen. Jesus is basically saying that when they see or observe Jesus, they also come and see God, right? They observe Jesus and they see God. If you see me, you see the Father. But Philip kind of misses the boat on this, right? Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who sees me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father, right? So, you know, they kind of miss the boat on this a lot. And they don't understand that to see the Father is basically, you know, the reflection of Jesus. It's just Jesus' teachings. So, you know, Jesus was trying to reveal the Father to them, but they kind of didn't understand a lot of this, right? So, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. You know, if you look at John 20, 24 through 25, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, Thomas refused to believe that Jesus was alive, even though people had seen him and had witnessed, you know, that he was raised from the dead. So a few days later, Jesus appears to the group a second time, right? And, and now Thomas is there. So in John 20, 26 to 29, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors have been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Remember earlier, we were talking about believing. If you see me, you see the Father, believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. So what do we get out of the statement of Thomas? Did Thomas all of a sudden realize that there was Yohevave, God Almighty in the flesh? Do we really want to think that or do we want to use common sense? Thomas finally understood what Jesus was trying to teach him all along, right? Not only do I see my risen Lord Jesus Christ, I now see and perceive that you are the image of the invisible God, right? He's, he sees God figuratively in Jesus. You know, you've been, he has been revealing this all along to them. Thomas finally sees his Lord and perceives his God. So, it doesn't have anything with Thomas finally just realizing Jesus is God Almighty, because we're missing out on the Father again. Why does the Father always get left out on everything? You know, the Father is no longer the Creator. The Father doesn't dwell inside believers as the Holy Spirit. That's somebody else also. Now when we see Jesus, Jesus is their Lord and their God. But what about the statements of Jesus himself? Jesus constantly said, you know, the Father in me does his works. The Father in me does his works all over the Bible. You know, I can do nothing of my own authority. The Father in me does his works. 
God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world. Remember, we've gone over this in my other podcasts also. So, and not only that, but it's very important that immediately after the statement of Jesus, or Thomas rather, it says, John 20, 20, John 20, 30 through 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not yet written in this book, or not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You know, it would be very weird and very peculiar if Thomas finally realized Jesus was God and then have John clarify it just a few verses later, a few sentences later, as a matter of fact, by saying, hey, I wrote everything so you would know Jesus is the Son of God. That's pretty weird. It seemed like he would say, you know, Thomas came to the conclusion that Jesus was God Almighty and I've written everything so you would understand that Jesus is God. John would have featured it in his you know, the reason why he wrote the gospel. He wouldn't just take away all of the the fireworks from Thomas's statements a few seconds earlier, right? God made it possible for Jesus to be seen. God raised Jesus from the dead, Acts 10.40. God raised him on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. You know, if Jesus is God, why would God need somebody to elevate him and actually raise him from the dead? Can't God raise himself? Why would God need to be made a life-giving spirit? You know, wouldn't Jesus have the authority and the ability to do it this, you know, do this himself? So, you know, we, we look at the Bible again and we look at Acts 2.22 and I'll go ahead and read that because that's critical when we look at, you know, to see me is to see the Father. Uh, Acts 2.22 says, and this is what they taught. They didn't teach Jesus was God Almighty after he left earth, which is certainly something that they would have done if Thomas had realized Jesus was God. Can you imagine the Bible would have taken a completely different spin. It would have gone off and, and they would have taught, don't you understand Jesus is God? He's Yahweh. He's Yohevave in the flesh all over. This would be the constant message. But what did they do in Acts 2.22? Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst and you yourselves know pretty pretty radical stuff right we've got one person being called god and the other one being called jesus of nazareth you know why were the disciples so deceptive if they had believed jesus was god you know thomas finally came to the conclusion that jesus was god almighty standing in front of him was the creator of the universe with puncture wounds in his hands and his feet and a spear wound in his side. It doesn't say any of that. You know, this is nonsense. You know, this is just another verse what Trinitarians use to twist and eliminate the Father. You know, so they kept asking again, show us the Father, show us the Father. 
And Thomas finally saw the Father in Jesus. You know, John 14, 8. Have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You know, Jesus always said that he was in the Father. The Father is in me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth, again, you have known him and have seen him. Show us the Father. And it says in John 14.10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The works that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So let's go ahead and read this because it's kind of a duality, really. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Right? Show us the Father. He kept saying, the Father is in me, doing his works. Part of the works was the, the, the resurrection, right? But the Father in me does his works. So, you know, God the Father was dwelling inside Jesus, okay? Jesus, when he was on the cross, he cried out to God, Father, you know, he basically was crying out to God in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, God pulled his Holy Spirit back from Jesus as Jesus was dying and left Jesus alone. You know, he turned his back on humanity. God did. And Jesus felt alone for the very first time. But Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father, right? God the Father's Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says, you know, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. Not the Spirit of a third person. So again, show us the Father. Jesus said, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So, again, Jesus kept telling us that the Father in him did the works and he was in the Father, the Father was in him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he says, believe in me, who, he who believes in me will also believe in the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. You know, it would be really odd to be able to do greater works than God. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, the statement right here talks about God the Father dwelling inside Jesus and Jesus if you see Jesus, you see the Father, right? So, at the statement of Thomas, when he says, my Lord and my God, immediately after, Jesus says this, and this is kind of, uh, this coincides exactly with 
you know, if you believe me, you believe the one who sent me. So it says that Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Okay, and then John goes on to continue stating that the whole reason he wrote everything is so you would understand Jesus as God. So Thomas finally saw God Almighty. He saw Jesus figuratively, or saw Jesus physically rather, and saw the Father in Jesus that had raised him from the dead figuratively. Again, if you see me, you see the Father. They kept asking to see the Father. Jesus said, on that day you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I in you. It's nothing to do about divinity, it's nothing to do about Jesus being God. It's very clear that Thomas finally saw the resurrected human Messiah, you know, literally, physically there, and he experienced God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead figuratively. You know, my Lord and my God. If we look at the Greek, it actually says the Lord of me and the God of me, right? That's kind of the only real way in Greek is my understanding that that can make God, you know, make two persons in there. It's very clear it tries to make two persons. It could have said, Jesus could have said, my Lord and God, right? And skip the and. My Lord and God. Not the Lord of me and the God of me. That seems really weird, right? So again, take a step back. Look at the Bible through common sense. It's a very important lens. You know, we can't abandon common sense whenever we pick up the Bible. God gave us common sense and in good part to read and understand scripture because God pushes his spirit through us and common sense allows us to, you know, be able to rationalize and be able to um, come to certain conclusions based upon things of this world. You know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit is our, you know, can guide us, but we also need to have common sense. We take a step back. We don't hang on to a verse and look at it with, you know, kind of like uh, with blinders on. We look at, does it make sense that Thomas would have realized Jesus was God in the flesh after seeing his puncture wounds? That doesn't make sense. And not only that, but why would John immediately after say that I wrote everything so you would understand Jesus is the son of God, not God the son? Right? And, and the apostles don't teach that Jesus is God as part of the gospel message, which they absolutely would have done if Thomas had finally come to the conclusion that there's Jesus. He's God Almighty. The rest of the apostles would have latched onto it. The Bible would have gone into a completely different area, right? They would say over and over again, they realized that Jesus was God. How can this be, right? So I hope that helps you. I hope it answers your questions. Um, it's a dual statement, just like the Bible always says, you know, grace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ our Savior. They saw the resurrected human Jesus, literally, and then they saw the Father who was dwelt inside Jesus, figuratively. God bless you.